Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message.
Lawrence. And uh, as Pastor John comes, he's, he's not new to us. It's great to have him here. Welcome, Pastor John. And uh, we just want to acknowledge his input into this ministry, into our pastor's lives, and we thank God for him, and we pray that God will continue to use him. We know that he is here for such a time as this. This is the time. Amen. Thank you. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Is it warm enough for you? <laughs> I see everybody fanning themselves. You know, we never complain, though, do we, about heat? Especially when it's dry. Anyway, um, absolutely love being here. I don't know if you know this, but you have a great church. You really do. You have a great church. And we need a lot of great churches in our world today. I don't know if you know this. The world is messed up. <laughs> Anybody noticed? It's like uh, something happened. Did people lose their minds or something? And I think in a lot of ways they have. Literally, they have. I can explain that to you a little bit. Um, and I think that we're called to be the answer. And we're not called to be the, more of the problem, but we're called to be the answer. Um, I got kind of a medical, a little bit of a medical background. I used to be a dentist. My brother and I went through university at the same time. He graduated as a doctor the same day I graduated as a dentist, and he works a lot harder than I did. <laughs> but we did learn a lot of stuff, and one of it was I spent a a whole year understanding the brain. I mean, literally dissecting it and everything else. And kind of my pet project, my favorite project, to understand what's going on up here. And when people are going through life and everything is normal, it's very comfortable. Why? Because you've already figured out how to think in normal circumstances. You know, like a baby comes into this world and there's just a whole bunch of neurons which are like roads. They have a beginning and an end, but they're not connected. And then they begin to, to reason and they begin to, um, to understand what's going on and connections begin called synapses. And if you were to look at a person's brain, it's kind of like a map. And you got all these roads and these maps and the more you use a road, the wider it gets, the more traffic it gets. And so as we grow up, we, do, we actually build into our thinking ways of thinking that are really easy. I mean, when you get on that road, it's just fast. And there's not a lot of, of red lights and stop signs. It's kind of like freeways. And all of us have that. We all have that's what's going on up here. And when everything fits, it's quite normal. But when things happen that, that challenge this, we have to rebuild. And that's called trauma. Have you ever met someone that went through a really, really difficult time and, and you're wondering, how, how come you think the way you think? Did you lose your mind? Literally, they did. They have to reconstruct everything and it, it's a form of trauma, and it's a result of trauma. I believe in the last two and something years, almost three years, we've had corporate trauma. 
We've had cultural trauma where um, we've had things happen that, that, that just didn't fit anymore and we had to rethink everything. One of the things that happens when we have to rethink, we have to rebuild, is we tend to, we gravitate to what, what's already been thought, the pathways that are already there, even if they're not ours. In other words, we gravitate to the people that we, we built a life with and the way they think. And if you were to, to look at how that kind of um, works its way out, it's what I call the herd mentality, where everybody gets it in, like the herd. We're all going this way. You ask them, why are you going? I don't know, because everybody else is going this way. And all of that kind of, if you think about it, it kind of pictures what's happened in these last few years in our world today. But what all of us need to recognize is we have an opportunity to rebuild how we think, even in church. I mean, church is not what it used to be. I, I, I go a lot of places, and they, and they ask us things like, so how is your church, which is Relate Church, how, how is that going? And what they want to know is, what percentage of people are there that used to be there? In, in other words, what percentage of 2019 are you at? And I always tell them, zero. Why? Because it's a new world. We're 100% of where we're supposed to be, which is right now. But we don't want to go back and look at that. Why? Because this whole thing has given the church and all of us individually an opportunity to step back and rebuild how we think about life, how we think about everything, including how we think about church. What we found is there was a lot of people that had like a corporate faith. As long as all my friends are going, as long as, as, long as the, the herd's there, I'll be there. But that all got disseminated, right? And now we find out that, that, that basically the people that are, are in church have personal faith. And personal faith is the only thing that's going to get us to heaven. And personal faith is what's going to change the world. So I, I say all that just to kind of set you up for what I want to talk about today. Um, before I get going, have you all met my wife, Helen? Can you stand up and just wave at everybody, Helen? This is my first, my only... And we've been married now for 48 plus years. My first and only girlfriend, my first and only kiss, my first and only holding hands, my first and only love, um, 48 years of marriage though, and it just gets better. It just gets better. But one of the things I've learned in, in this is, is it's not about the, the short term, it's about the long term. And if you wanna build a great life, don't think about just today, me, myself, and I. Think about the generations. And the generations actually respond to the length of time and what we, we build into our life. So, have you ever heard the saying, someone would, would say this, they are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Anybody heard that? I don't agree with that. I think that's it's actually totally wrong. I think the more heavenly-minded you are, the more earthly good you become. 
The more heavenly minded you become is really about what God thinks and how God thinks and in terms of like legacy and generations and all the rest of it. And so today I want to talk about heavenly strategies that actually will fix, answer the anxiety in our world today. If you were to put one word over culture in the world today, it's the word anxious. Paul said this, though, Philippians 4, verse 6. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in all things, through prayer and supplication, let your request be known unto God. And the peace. See, the opposite of anxiety is peace. The opposite of anxiety is not everything's going great. Because peace is not about everything's going great. Peace is about you've got your heart right. And so I want to talk about what are the heavenly strategies for anxious times. And you can't actually go anywhere without talking about your heart. And you can't talk about your heart without going to Proverbs like you've all been. And my wife's favorite scripture, Proverbs 4.23, which says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It determines everything. Get your heart right. Keep your heart right. And if you're going through a tough time, okay, anybody been or going through a tough time? If you were to spend some time with my wife, she would give you the counsel of your life. She would say you have one job, one job only, keep your heart right. One job only, keep your heart right. Don't get hurt because hurt people hurt people. Okay? You can be hurt, but you don't have to stay hurt. We can learn to, to not do that. And mostly what I'm going to say you know, today is not preaching at you, telling you what you need to do. I'm just going to open up and share some of this stuff. And some of it's not so nice that really I've been working through. Because uh, our world's crazy, and I, and, I, and I have had such a tough time dealing with so many things. You know, we've had people in our world that, like, wh what? You think what? How did you get there? Like, did you lose? And, and, and what do you do when you hit times like that? And recognize again that, that it's, it's, it's a cultural thing. And it's not like there's a, they're bad people. They just, we need to help them get, step back and think right. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. In the message translation, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Listen to this. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. I mean, they have a purpose. If you have people in your world that you go, ha, they have a purpose. Let them bring out the best in you. Down to verse 48, he says this way. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. <laughs> Uh, ouch. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Let live out your God-created identity. Hmm. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. So these last two years have been a challenge for most of us. We've gone from comfortable whatever 
to what is going on, gone from everything fits to our understanding, our reasoning, you know, basically those, those the reasonings and understandings that we figure out in our head becomes our safety. And we're, we can control the world when they fit, when everything fits. We feel like we're in the control. We're sitting in safety seat. Do you know when you take away control, what you have? Anxiety. And we've lived in a world where we've taken control away. It doesn't fit anymore to the way I think. And there's anxiety. And what happens when we try to make everything fit is we'll gather with those others that make everything fit and we'll build institutions that make everything fit. <laughs> like governments. <laughs> really, think about it. And here's the bottom line. If we're trying to figure out how we can control everything, we're trying to figure out how we don't need God. And, and the institutions that come out of it are, are, are there to, to, to replace our need for God. And we can never get to that place where we don't need God. And once, when we have him and we're leaning on him, leaning on the everlasting arms, there's, there's a sense of peace. No anxiety anymore. We're living in an anxious world, and I think it's because we've taken God out of it. We've tried to build our own little strongholds. You know, when, when, when COVID hits, well, let's turn to the government. The government is our savior. Hello. I'm not going to say any more about that. You know, as long as we stay in the place of comfort, comfort is actually an insulation. Comfort insulates us from the growth that needs to change. It's like a seed. Every seed has this miracle growth on the inside of it. But it's on the inside of it. <laughs> What's around it is called the jacket, you know, or, or a cover. And until that jacket, that cover, that comfortability is broken, there's no growth. There's no miracle. And so, actually, we shouldn't look at difficult times as, oh, no, everything's got difficult. No, it's A, all right. Something great is going to happen. And I really do believe God is at work doing great things around the world. The church has, has, has gone from a place, and, and many churches are like institutions. Okay, We've gathered together, and we've built this, this nice, comfortable, we do this, 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 this. And if we do it all, we don't really need God. If he doesn't show up, so what? We had a great service. <laughs> We sung three songs. We, we, sorry, I'm a pastor. So I'm, I'm, I'm pointing at myself. But we, we can get to that place where we don't need God. And when we are in that comfortable place, we insulate ourselves from the growth that God wants. And the devil's plan has always been to divide and conquer. And I don't think we've ever seen divide like the last two years. There's been division everywhere. Division between family members, division in churches, division in countries. I have never, I could never have imagined the division that's happened. But it's always been part of the plan, divide and conquer. And it's the devil's plan. So if you find yourself on one side or the other of the division, he's winning. If you find yourself 
divide it with somebody, he wins. Okay? So right away, just, just understand there is a plot behind this whole thing. And what we need to do is understand how to get on the same side and help people grow. You probably got hurt in these last couple of years. Almost everybody has. And the, the temptation is to hurt back. Instead, actually resist it. And don't let yourself stay hurt. Okay? Don't close your heart. Don't put a wall up. Don't build a stronghold against people. That's what walls are. They're strongholds. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says we walk in the flesh, but we don't war after the flesh. And through the power of God, through our weapons, our car are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down the strongholds. We need to take down those walls between us and what other people on the other side. People that only see the negative, um, it's going to cause problems. I think the opportune time is to grow up, like Eugene Peterson said. Well, this kind of part of the message comes out of an experience I had uh, about three weeks ago. I went to a camp, a retreat for pastors. And I was at a retreat, and they were all pastors. And there was some of them that I, I just I couldn't imagine. Like, I don't like being around you. Sorry. My inside voice was, would you please shut up? Stop talking. Oh, I wasn't really proud of myself at all. And so the camp was like four days long. I got there a day early. So I was, I was housing with one of the, the, you know, the leaders. And this other pastor was housing at the same house. And he was the one I couldn't handle. So I got five days with him. And the, the one that heads up this camp is Greg Surratt, who's the president of ARC in the United States. And I, I started talking to him a little bit later on, two or three days in, and uh, I was just amazed with him. He would listen to this guy. And it was obvious. This guy didn't know what he was talking about. But he just listened. And, and th then he'd be so, so caring. And then he'd pray for him. And I thought, wow, you have so much grace. Where'd you get that? I don't have that. And, and Greg said this to me, he said, you know, if you'll just open your heart, um, you'll find some of the people that seem to be the farthest away are the ones that actually want to make the most progress. And I've seen, he said, I've seen this happen over and over again at this retreat where, where a pastor would walk in and nobody could handle him. And by the end, he had changed so much. And I, okay, I'm listening, but, but I, I wasn't really believing until we, ch we, we actually ended up the camp. And this guy was, well, I don't think he was the most changed. I was. I 
saw him change, and it really did minister to me. And so if you've got people in your world that you're having a tough time with, let me share what God gave me. There's three things, and I'm going to give you a few things during this next 16 minutes, and I would like you to pay attention to something anyway that I say, because I'm going to ask you, would you take a moment and talk to somebody and tell them what you're working on? Because if you sit here and all you hear is what all the, the intellectual stuff, nothing changes. But if you sit here and the Holy Spirit actually touches something in your heart and you take it and have a conversation. In our church, we have this little saying that, that um, the table before platform, conversation before preach. Because nothing changes when it's just a preach and a platform. But it changes when you get to talk with each other. So listen to these and some, something may hit you. This is what God um, got on my case about. So three things that I am tempted to do when I'm having a tough time with somebody, but I'm trying not to. Number one is judge. I'm trying not to judge. I'm tempted to judge. Like, you know, I, I, I know everything about this guy, and I'm judging this guy. And Do you know it's impossible to judge somebody else without thinking you're better? I figured that out. Here I was judging him, but all the time I was just thinking I'm better than him. And I'm not. I'm not better than anybody else on the planet. Are you? No. So actually just resisting judging instead of judging trying to understand is so much better. The second thing that I'm trying not to do is avoid. <laughs> Have you ever had people in your world that... that yeah, really had a problem with. And then you're walking down the mall and you see them. And what do you want to do? Duck into a store and hide until they can't see you anymore and then walk out again. And, and, and <clears throat> they say this about pastoring. They say pastors have to deal with more rejection than anyone else on the planet. And you might think, well, why? Well, in, in our church, we have hundreds that are there and thousands that aren't. They used to be. And so, so some of them, you know, you pour your heart into it, and then, and then you, what? Where are you? And you get a little offended. I, don't, I, I know you don't, but I, I have a temptation to get offended. And when I'm offended, I try to avoid them. I don't want to deal with them. I don't want to meet them. I don't want to talk to them. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? My wife is really bad at this. Not at avoiding. She's really bad at the opposite. She, she gets on my case because I watch her. Because I know. She's in a mall. She sees that person. She doesn't duck in the store. She goes straight across to the person and talks to them. What do I do? I duck in the mall till she's finished talking to them. <laughs> she just decided years ago I am not going to avoid the people in my world that maybe I don't agree with. And you don't have to invite them back into your circle of friendship. 
You don't have to invite them back into a relationship you used to have. But you don't have to avoid and, and, and outcast them. You can keep your heart open. That's the key. Keep your heart open. Uh, I, I'm telling you all this because it's not easy. I don't actually like this part. But it's really an important part. Especially if you do recognize, if you avoid, you are playing into the devil's hand. Divide and conquer. It's exactly what he wants. You know, in our world today, we have what's called a cancel society. Cancel culture. What is that? It's avoiding. I don't want to deal with you. Cancel. Just press a button. And it's become something that's, that's huge out there. Like we gave it a name, cancel culture. And yet it's always been there, just not the same level because of social media, which is new. The third thing that I am trying not to do is correct. You know, when someone is, is, is just saying and down this track of they think this and they think that, and your temptation is, stop, listen to me, let me correct you. They're not listening. You're not correcting them. You're fueling them. I was listening to a podcast the other day about someone that's a, um, an expert at social media. And, you know, on social media, so you'll have some people that say the most ridiculous things. And other people think it is my job to correct them. And do you know that every time you get online and correct them, you feed them? They actually get more attention. And what they're trying to do becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. No, no, no. And this I will say about my wife. There's been times when I, because she, she, you know, some of the people in our world that have, like, why, what are you thinking, are actually family. And I've said, Helen, stop talking. They're not listening. But if you stop talking, here's the key. If they're dealing with anxiety because they've lost culture, they've lost their control, they don't understand how do I deal with all of this. And you correct them. You feed their anxiety. Anxiety feeds on anxiety. So what they need is the opposite. They need your non-anxious presence. There's actually a really great book that we as a staff are studying. And Mark Sayers wrote it. It's called... Um, is it just the non-anxious presence? The non-anxious presence, which is so good. And it, it just talks about how the world's so anxious, and the only thing we can do to actually help them is to meet them without anxiety. And the only place you're going to get non-anxious presence is in his presence. Because in his presence, you're not in control, but you don't want to be in control because you're leaning on the everlasting arms and he's in control. So I've tried to, don't try to correct. Just love the person where they're at. So let me tell you some heavenly strategies that I am working on every day. And these are heavenly strategies that come from the saying, you know, no earthly good because you're so heavenly minded. Well, let's, change, let's turn it around. So heavenly minded. So number one is to... Be aware of heaven deposits, heavenly deposits. Do you know everything that we do in this life 
makes a difference for eternity. What leaves our hand enters our future. When we give, say it's finances. When we leave, what leaves our hand, like we already heard, is seed. That enters our future. Um, keep talking about my wife because she's here, so I keep using her. But she told me, if, you know, if I die before you, John, I know what song I want at my um, celebration of life. And that's a song called, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. Anybody ever heard it? It's a great song. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. But my favorite line in the song is, tell all my children, all my grandchildren, that all my treasure is in heaven. Wouldn't it be something if we could spend our life depositing treasure in heaven? And you're not going to do it unless you have that perspective that everything that leaves my hand, everything I do for someone else, everything I do without me, me, my, 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 is actually making a deposit in eternity. And when I get to heaven, I mean, I think heaven, we need to preach more about heaven. Really. I think heaven's more important than this earth. You know, what we're doing right here is going to be that fast. And then we have an eternity in heaven and making deposits that will last forever. The second thing is having a heavenly perspective, which means see what can't be seen. I try to do that every day. See what can't be seen. For instance, can you see what can't be seen? This room's full of angels. You can't see them. Not with these eyes, but with these eyes you can. And when we begin to see and look for what can't be seen, it changes our perspective. It changes how we think this, we're going to be able to deal with the tough things in this world. God has answers. Thirdly, is a heavenly leading. You know what a heavenly leading to me is? Did you hear what he said? I want to hear his voice more and more. It's not the shouting voice. It's not the screaming voice. It's the still, small voice. See, when you hear his voice, we already sang about it. When you hear his words, who cares what else happens? You know that you know that you know that you know. How do we have a non-anxious presence in his presence? In his presence, we hear his voice is leading his guiding. Jesus spent three years with his disciples and he wasn't teaching them math. <laughs> he wasn't teaching them science, biology. He was teaching them how to hear the Father, to hear the voice of God, to be led by the Holy Spirit. And those three years that he invested into 12, ended up 11, um, changed the world. So I, I'm, I'm, every day I'm, I'm waking up wanting to hear. Fourth is heaven's callings. I think this is so important. I want to look at people and not see just what everybody else sees. I want to see what God sees. I want to see the calling on the inside of them. Every one of us 
have a God-given calling. There's something deep inside of you. And I love in, in Psalms it says, deep calls unto deep. When you see what's deep and you call it out, something comes alive. It's the, it's the power of resonation. You know, that's a principle. It's a physical principle. When two things begin to resonate at the same frequency, the amplitude explodes. And the result is literally miraculous. And I think on the inside of every one of us, there's this calling. And when we see it, say you see it in your kids or your grandkids, the people around you, and you say, you know what? I see a gifting on your life. It's so amazing. And when that, what you see resonates with what's inside of them, they'll never be able to not hear it. That'll be this resonation that changes their world. And I think this of parents. So many parents were trying to tell our kids what to do. I don't know if you've noticed, noticed this. When, when you, they, they get to the stage when they want to do their own. Be a real human being on their own. It's little children, okay. But later on, well, I think we need to stop telling them what to do. Instead, tell them who they are. Tell them what you see. Call out of them the gifting. And one of the things I've been saying um, that I think is important is parents, talk to your kids and ask them to help you see and call out the gifting in their siblings. Because when they begin to see and say what's, what they see in their siblings, that, that, that thing called sibling rivalry, where the walls go up, they come down. And this person now becomes a very huge asset in their life. But all of that is heavenly calling, seeing what God sees. And the last thing, number five, is, is heaven's language. Do you know what heaven's language is? It's prayer. But it's not, it's not prayer like we thought it to be prayer. I was talking to one of our pastors the other day, and he says, that's the thing I, I really would like to work on because I don't think I'm a good prayer warrior. And so I talked to him afterwards, and I said, so tell me, do you think your relationship with God is good? Yeah. So you think this last two years that God's been working in your life and, you, and you, you've been following him? Yeah. Well, then your prayer life's good. You can't have a good relationship without communication. You can't have a good relationship with God without prayer. But we put prayer into a box. This, this is what we have to say. And for most people, prayer is burdensome. And that's not what God wants. God wants us to love to be in his presence. And when we're in his presence, it's really hard for us not to communicate. There's a heavenly language. And that heavenly language is so much more than just the prayers that we thought of praying. For instance... Um, you know, if we are going to pray for somebody, there's going to be the voice of the Spirit, which is heavenly language. And there's the voice of our carnal mind. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that the voice of the carnal mind, okay, this, that, that actually is death. 
And the voice of the Spirit is life and that more abundantly. James says it this way. He says, when you pray for somebody, pray without doubting. Because he who doubts doesn't receive anything. What, 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 what do you mean doubting? Well, you, you have two voices. We need to stop that carnal voice and just let the voice of the Spirit. That's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. Trying to teach them simply believe, simply trust. I was talking to him, my sister, we were talking about praying for the, raise the dead. Do you know how, how hard it is to raise the dead? It's not hard at all. The amount of work you will do is zero. Zero. You couldn't heal a, a wing on a flea. But we know who can. And the heavenly language is just recognizing the voice of the Spirit and using that voice, speaking that voice. Even praying in tongues. Praying in tongues is just praying in the Spirit. And, and uh, it's so easy. And yet the Bible tells us we're praying God's will. So what are those things, what, what out of those things that I talked about do you need to work on? Is there people in your world that you need to actually stop judging? People in your, people in your world you need to stop avoiding, stop correcting? In your life, any of these things you're working on, having a heavenly perspective, just begin to see every day, get up, God open my eyes to see, like Elisha and his, his servant gaze, I, God open his eyes, ah! I wonder what we would see. Wow. Actually recognizing there's a, there's a heavenly language, there's a heavenly calling, heavenly leading, all of those things. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your presence. We sang about it already. Wow. Lord, we've come today to meet you, come to gather. You said, where two or three are gathered, there you are. So we've come here because of your presence. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to understand where we are, where we're going, and how to take the next steps. Father, I pray for every one of us here that we look at our own life and recognize Okay, there's things we're working on. There's things we need to focus on. What are those things? Help us to see that, Lord. Most of all, Father, I pray if there's anyone here today, right now they recognize their relationship with you is not. It's not. Maybe never. It's not what it should be, not what it could be. God, I pray that you touch their heart right now. Lord, that, that, that could change right now. They could leave this place with this amazing relationship with you that doesn't end when we leave the building, but it continues. If you're here and your relationship with God is not what it should be, what it could be, I'd love to pray a simple prayer for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't 
pick you out, stand you up, or do anything. I just, I just want to pray for you. But you need to be the one that's honest with God. And say, that's me. I don't want to leave the way I came. Maybe you're here and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, to be your Lord. And I hope and believe today's your day. And if it does, it changes everything. I mean, I remember the day for me. changes everything. Or maybe you hear it and you say, I remember a day when I, I did walk with him, but, but right now I have to admit, my relationship is not what it should be, what it could be. If that's you, could I pray for you? I just want to pray a simple prayer all over the room with your heads bowed, nobody looking around. You say, include me in that prayer. I don't want to leave the way I came. If that's you, slip your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's such an amazing thank you. Such an amazing life. We walk with him. Wow. Watch him do what amazing more than we could imagine or think. All right, you can slip your hands down. I'm going to ask everyone in the room to pray this prayer. I'll just to give you words. Prayer is talking to God. If you slipped your hand up, just pray this loud enough for your ears to hear your voice. Everyone say this, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way I am. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. I give you my life. I need you to help me become better and better, more and more like you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap, church. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.